2: but there are things that divide us and that we i believe we must overcome in order to move forward and the more divided we are the more we are giving our power away and i want us to take back as much of that power as possible
3: you're listening to side hustle pro the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Michaela Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Lindsay Day, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Crown Magazine, a premium independent print publication about natural hair and the women who wear it. Through beautiful content, thoughtful commentary, hair inspiration, and resources, Crown exists to edify and empower Black women across the globe. Since its inception, Crown has been featured by Forbes, Newsweek, NBC New York, Girlboss, and more, and has partnered with brands and advertisers like Cadillac, Toyota, and a number of beauty brands. In 2017, Lindsay was featured by HuffPost as one of seven Black innovators who are creating a better tomorrow, And Essence Magazine named her one of their 50 founders to watch. Through Crown, Lindsay is on a mission to create the most honest and beautiful representation of Black women in the history of print. We are all about that here at Side Hustle Pro. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Lindsay. Hello,
2: thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you.
3: Likewise, excited to have you in the guest chair. So take us back for a minute. When did you get bit by this entrepreneurship bug? (laughs) Man, um...
2: You know, it came to me really when I um, was in the corporate world for the first time, surprise. Um, It kind of graduated into the Great Recession and was working in entertainment. And it wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Um, But I think really if I look back at my life I was always starting a business. I was in my friend's backyard creating stuff or you know, even sewing stuff randomly. you know, I had a I would pull weeds for the neighbors or like you know there even when I was little, I would be making little um, stores and stuff in my grandma's house and selling her you know, faux selling her stuff. So I think it was always there. Um, I think it honestly, looking back, wasn't necessarily you know, I mean, today's generation has the Instagram and social media and all of these tools that help us kind of lower that barrier to entry and really consider entrepreneurship earlier. Whereas I think it was like, you go to school, you get a good job. Like There wasn't a lot of, oh, let's just go start this new empire. That wasn't really something that I considered until I was in somebody else's empire and was like, "Mm, (laughs) maybe there's
3: another way. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of going to school, so what was your initial career path? You went to Marshall and where did you go from there?
2: Yeah, I went to USD, which I loved. It was a great experience and still, you know, have friends from there that are like my family to this day. Um, From there, I ended up working, like I said, in entertainment. I worked at Universal Music Group. So I had interned at Interscope Records, like interned for, you know, Jimmy Iovine's department and all of this crazy stuff in college. And was in the international department, even like in the legal department. Um, I was in like the shady aftermath realm, was a little bit after the the fun, cool part, <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, I had done all those internships. And so kind of graduating into the Great Recession, um, I was like, hmm, I have a lot of relationships here. Um, I ended up getting a job um, back at Interscope Records, kind of working on the finance side, which was not expected especially kind of coming from the creative side so I was in finance and that was you know kind of working there a couple years was when I was like hmm you you know it was the time of uh, AOL instant messenger (laughs) so my friend one of my best friends and I went to college together we were both in entertainment and we'd be chatting each other all day and it really just we formed this idea to create a digital platform back in like 2009 um, we called it made woman magazine and it was all about like creating tips and profiles of women who, you know, are professional and who are in all of these different realms. I think it was really born out of the concept of, if I had known what I know now in college, I would have approached it so differently. Yeah. And so it really became a way to interview really interesting people, like we interviewed Asia Brown, the mayor of Compton, first you know youngest mayor of Compton. You know, I interviewed people who are now mentors of mine to this day. So it was really like that jumping off point, I think, to where, you know, I was I had a team of writers. We did different photo shoots and like didn't know what we were doing, but figured it out. I think that's a big part of entrepreneurship is just not necessarily that it has to be in the digital space, but just creating and and seeing how the market responds and, and kind of iterating and adapting from there. So that was really a big part of me saying, okay, the corporate thing is cool. That's what my parents kind of want me to do. But I did the side hustle for probably about five years. I worked on uh-huh. Maybelline. Um, so this was like 09 to 2014, I think. Okay. So that was like my first stint and then worked in some other startups, did some freelance work in marketing, and then ended up becoming the first full-time hire at another startup that helps students find internships. And kind of from there, doing a lot of like the biz dev, working very closely with the CEO, being the first hire, helping her build the team to, I think it was like five people when I left. That was really what like took it to another level of understanding, like how real it could be, how much money you can, you know, obtain even as a very, very small business. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I could go on for days. I'm like, I have some other questions. (laughs) (laughs) What I find really interesting is that whole experience of having done this before, before you were trying to monetize it, you were just purely interested in talking to women and featuring them. And so you cultivated this online platform. Now, when did you start to think about your life after corporate? Life after corporate, pretty much as soon as I got there. (laughs)
2: Um, Life after corporate, I think, you know, there's always that fear of like, You know, as much as I may say or believe that I have this entrepreneurial bug and it's been in me, there was especially, you know, this is the early 2008, 2009, 2010. So it's like, who am I to think I can just go off and create this thing? There were a lot less examples, you know, 10 years ago, even of like kind of the success. Like, I think it's when some of the bloggers were starting to take off, but you almost felt like, well, I'm kind of late. Even then it felt like you were late. And how do you make a bunch of money off of it? So I think there's always that kind of self-doubt thing of who do I think I am, you know? And I think it's cultural sometimes. It's like, you better get that job and that's your blessing. You better be happy you have that job. Like if you are looking for something else, you're somehow belittling the blessing that you've gotten. And I just didn't subscribe to that. So I actually ended up working in the corporate space for, I think I worked at Universal for maybe like four or five years total. And then I just quit. <laughs> and oh, I was wow. still working my maid woman at the time. Uh-huh. And I did like a three month, just, I guess you could call it a sabbatical of sorts. I just went to Europe and like traveled. I went to Barcelona for like a month. I, you know, practiced my Spanish in Madrid. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I got I. I actually found like I have very deep Irish roots on my dad's wow. side, and like went back to where his great grandfather grew up. So it was very like I hadn't explored a lot of these things, and that was really an integral moment of just stepping back and reshaping the life that I actually wanted to live versus, you know, it was like, I went to school because my parents wanted me to go to school. Like, not that I wouldn't have, but you know, there was all these check boxes that were like, I'm going to do all of these things. I tried the relationship thing, you know, certain things didn't work out. And I found myself at that like quarter life (laughs) crisis moment, I think of sorts of, I just need to reset this real Mm -hmm. fast. And, And so that was really a moment of resetting and Um, that's when I really started getting into like more freelance work and going back to the creative side. You know, I'd been in finance and and just trying to carve my way back.
3: Had (laughs) you planned that leap at all? Had you saved up? Did you? Okay. So you you planned (laughs) that sabbatical and what happened next? You know, how did Crown come about?
2: Yeah. So Crown really came about, it was honestly so such an organic experience. So after I went to Europe. I came back, went to LA again, then packed up a few months later and moved to New York. Um, I was working for another startup at the time, also still doing my first startup. And it was just so much. It was just, if you ever live, if anyone's ever lived in New York, you're just trying to like stay alive, you know? So working in two startups was just insane and doing biz dev for both. So I ended up transitioning out of Made Woman. I was working in the other startup for some time. And again, it was just that realization like you can go into these huge buildings and if you bring value with you, they will do business with you. And it was just like a light bulb moment. Um, so after a couple years of working with um, her name is Lauren Berger, I really honestly, it was just a conversation between my now business partner, Nakrumah and myself. I was working for somebody he was working in a startup on the West Coast. He was in town kind of doing what you do when it's like, oh, let me get some business meetings in while I'm in town, you know, like kind of he was looking for his next move. And really the conversation it was literally on my rooftop, just hanging out. We had worked on a blog together back in like 07. So that's like before even the corporate world. Um, so I was always a fan of his work from a creative perspective, like he hates when I say this, but even when he was making club flyers, like when I was in (laughs) college, they would be like the most beautiful club flyers with like flowing dress and like texture and beautiful skin tone. And like everybody else's flyers were so ratchet, you know? (laughs) So I always, I always really wanted to work with him. And this was kind of the opportunity it seemed. And we had this conversation, like, what would it look like if we dedicated our time, our talent and our resources to serving black people, to serving our people and to creating better outcomes for our children, that kind of thing. You know, we're hopefully in our thirties, I think, or close to thirties at that time. And some of your, you know, just what you're thinking and where you're focused, you know, is just, it was starting to change. And I really craved really wanting to give back to my community and do so in a, in a tangible way, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think just through, he had been working on another magazine project and it just kind of whittled down. Like I had worked on in content for so long and we just were like, what if we made a magazine? And I was like, a print magazine, you're insane. Why would we make a print magazine? And like, literally we went to my apartment and like drew out a piece of paper of like, okay, well, what would the business model be? How would we monetize? How would we do this? Like the first day we had over 10 business, you know, revenue streams essentially. And we were just like, well, there was just this basis of this natural hair magazine. There was so much happening in the digital space around natural hair. But, you know, we know when we sit down in a a, to get our hair done to this day, there's just not a plethora of inspiration
3: for for hair. Yeah, there's just so much going on. Yeah, like
2: especially it's like if you're not really into weaves and like a bunch of color and a bunch of stuff, it's like. They're just, they're just, we know there isn't much. Um, and so we kind of just started with a weekly call. This was the end of 2014. We um, ended up doing a weekly call through the summer of 2015. And mm-hmm. then we went out to Afropunk and we launched this, this zine, like a little folded uh, one page. This was in content. 2016? This was 2015, 15. Okay. actually.
3: And why hair? Like, I know what you were just saying about, obviously the shortage of inspiration and resources mm-hmm. and we all have to turn to youtube but was there any particular thing about it that just especially um, made you hone in on that as the focus i mean,
2: I think hair for us is always is, is in a in the black community is a tricky conversation and is something where well one If you sit down and there's a group of black women, for five minutes somebody's gonna say something about hair. (laughs) That's just like maybe less than five minutes. So it's just such an integral part of our everyday dialogue. And then, you know, there's also division externally and internally around hair. And hair, whether we want it to be or not, is politicized. It is in ways an extension of our either our personality on the nice side or of our identity on like kind of the deeper side it represents us in so many ways. Going back to the conversations just internally, you know, we we have so many things to work through that are rooted in all of the, uh, you know, historical circumstances and current circumstances that we're all very well aware of. But there are things that divide us and that we, I believe, we must overcome in order to move forward. And the more divided we are, the more we are giving our power away. And I want us to take back as much of that power as possible. And- you know, hair, to be honest, was a conversation that I shied away from for a long time. Like I have, I don't know how you, you know, I have curly hair. My mom has very, very kinky hair. And so she was always quick to be, you know, she was the first one to be like, girl, I ain't got that wash and wear hair like you, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's her sense of humor and it's fine. And it's like, that's our, our family. We're just very, we're just, I mean, I'm half black and half white, so race is always a thing. It's a joke. We, it, we kind of are lighthearted about it, um, but it is definitely a hard conversation to have, you know. And so I think for me, it was partially I didn't even want to have the conversation, but I was like, I know we need to have it. So we're going to make this thing. But Little did I know, you know, when you start this thing and you go out and you have 500 conversations at a music festival with 500 black women, you have to face that insecurity in any of that baggage that you're carrying with you. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? And 99.999% of women were just like,
3: thank you for this. We need this. How wow. do I write it? How do I advertise? So you know? were you just walking up to people and handing them? this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it a postcard? It wasn't a magazine yet. Right. It was not a magazine yet. It was,
2: I guess, what are the dimensions like 17 by 24 folded three times i think those are the dimensions so it's like it's like a little booklet and then you open it and then it opens again and then Uh. it opens again and there's a poster so there's like a discovery element our our thing was let's give like a minimum viable product like our mvp and we can put it in people's hands for free which it was like maybe a few hundred bucks to print them and Mm -hmm. to, to hand them out versus you know making a 100, like now our last issue was 156 pages. Like if we had made a 156 page magazine and then hoped that someone cared, we probably would have been in a bad place.
3: Right. So what were the insights you got from that experience? Like what were people saying and what did you take from that and immediately go back and iterate on?
2: Well, prior to that, we had done, you know, like, our, like I said, our weekly call. We had done empathy mapping. We had mapped out our business model canvas and our business model and in, in kind of like a larger manifesto version. So then we were really testing our assumptions of like, okay, from what we think our customer cares about, we make this product, let's put it in front of them. And honestly, it was very, like we were confirmed in a lot of ways. Um, the content, just like the hair inspiration and the different styles, just like doing a a simple Instagram roundup of like really pretty styles. Like people would kept kept saying, Oh my gosh, this one. Oh my gosh, that, and being able to then take the print and then take it back to digital and follow those people. People really love that interaction because I think a lot of times with print, it's like, okay, we are a print magazine that's been around for decades. We got to get on digital. We got to get those millennials. And they come at it in a way where they're like yelling at you versus like, really just engaging with you how you engage with content. And Mm -hmm. so we knew that if we were print born in the digital digital age, we had to approach it differently. But some of the best feedback we got was that we put up a a landing page that first day and we started getting pre-orders literally the next day. So that was really, really, really exciting that we had customers like on day two
3: so did you use those customers to actually print the magazine? Because I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. How does one make a magazine and how do you consistently get those subscriptions? So once they did pre-orders, were those subscribers, monthly subscribers, or was it a per-issue based order?
2: Per-issue. A lot of people just ordered the first one, which came out um, some months later. So it was. it's definitely a community effort. I'm very well aware. Like people... Put up their dollars. And it was very, you know, instead of doing like a Kickstarter, we were just like, we're pre ordering. This is, you can get one issue or you can get the first volume, which is the first four issues. And yeah, people supported people. I would say, again, like 99% of people are just like, hey, girl, like get it to us when we can. We just want to see it in the world. So it was honestly very humbling to see that people, you know, the community came together and really got behind us because they wanted to see it happen. And then, you know, six months later, we were in Essence Magazine, we were in HuffPost, and we just were really able to get some solid press and and visibility around it before we even launched the first issue, which honestly, we were, we had both worked in startups before. So we were very well aware, like, okay, this is not the norm. (laughs) So like, we're going to take this and run with it because very easily people could have just been like, oh, that's cute. And that's it. You yes. know, <laughs> like that happens. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so, so.
3: What were some of the first steps to take it from, you know, this MVP to real life magazine and business? You know, I know that photo shoots are expensive. Outfits for the photo shoots are expensive. All of this. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. walk us through that process. Yeah, well, we are very much bootstrapped (laughs) and
2: still to this day, we are very like our philosophy is very much the lean business model. So it's like whatever we produce, like if we're doing a photo shoot, we try to get at least two shoots worth of content from it. If we're, you know, now having, we have that, those assets, we try to use those assets, whether, you know, photos or video or whatever in multiple ways, you know, to, to extend the life of each of the dollars that we spend. We also, you know, because we do highlight the everyday woman versus like it's all about celebrity and you know, like weave is expensive, but we don't necessarily have to have that. So that's helpful. <laughs> um, you know, because we we work with women, you know, from the neighborhood and women who just have something really a story to tell or something on their heart, a lot of times it's as simple as, hey, let's walk around the block and use this natural light and you know take some portraits and fortunately and I learned this uh, kind of the hard way in terms of partnerships we Nkrumah and I have very complementary skills for example he never like he didn't take photos before this he started taking I mean he he's an artist he's a creative I mean he would probably call himself more of a creative than an artist so he can get stuff done but it was like we needed a, a zero issue so he went out and shot our friends in the zero issue you know what I mean and honestly, at that point, I was like, I don't even know if he could take photos. We'll see how this goes. You know what I mean? But this could come out back looking real crazy. But luckily, he can take photos. And so the fact that I'm very heavily on the word side and editing, and then he's very heavily on the creative side, it's a good compliment. And so we don't necessarily step on each other's toes when it's like, if he makes a decision on creative, I'm like, cool. You do that. If I make a decision on words, I do that. But again, to, to your question, having some of those skills in house allows us to be able to keep costs very low because we don't necessarily have to hire a photographer for every shoot. For example, um, we do a lot of our creative and design in house, which is costly for our our person, you know, but it is, it's very helpful when you have to just grind it out in those first couple years. Um, Having that will save you thousands of dollars, if not more. Um, So, yeah, we're very, very sensitive to cost. And so we definitely we are now for the first time creating a magazine with more of a budget uh, versus just like calling in miracles and favors. So, that's (laughs) that's you know, I mean, as back owned, as a bootstrap business. And if you don't have access to institutional capital, particularly in those beginning stages, it's like, You know, we we were very well aware, if we go and we're like, we have this idea for a hair magazine. I told my mama and she was like, what are you thinking? Why you You know making a hair magazine? So it's like, you know, you're not gonna go and go to Silicon Valley and raise a a couple mil for that, you Mm -hmm. know, so if we are gonna ever raise money, we wanna be in the position that we have the most leverage and that we're being stewards of our resources and every dollar that comes in, we're trying to multiply that. Right.
3: Hey guys, it's Nikayla with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear and it's called Skillshare. You wanna know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. You also have a very unique concept. I mean, I don't know a lot of magazines, but I think of magazines, I just think straightforward, you know, monthly on your doorstep or on newsstands. But yours is, is it quarterly? How do you approach the issues? And then are you also on shelves or is it strictly online and then you can order it to your door?
2: Yeah. um, So we are mostly direct to consumer through our website. So again, you can order one issue at a time. Right now, the love issue is out. The money and power issue, the third issue is coming this summer. And the first issue, the manifesto is coming off a back order. Actually, it's like being reprinted as we speak. So in the beginning, we really laid it out as I think after our first issue came out, that was the manifesto. Um, And then we knew that we wanted to focus on Love from the sense of not just like the, the second issue is the love issue, um, not from like cutesy love, but more the the love of of self, the love of community, love of your family. How do we act out of a sense of love and use that to build and, and fortify our communities at large? And then we from there kind of with that basis are going into the money and power conversation Um, And the fourth conversation will be, the fourth issue will be freedom. So we we kind of map that out ahead of time, even on the back of the love issue, there's kind of a mantra manifest, love, money, power, freedom. Um, And so that's like something that guides us content wise. In terms of distribution, again, most goes out through our website, but we are sold also in, you know, boutique retailers like Nubian Human in DC, Marche Rudis in, in Brooklyn, uh, we're in Sacramento, we're in L.A., we're in the Brooklyn Museum, in the Schomburg. So that is something that we're also growing out. But the, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter with new stand model and even with retailers is you give up a lot of margin and we're able to retain a lot of that margin by selling through the website.
3: That's so, awesome. And are you able to retain that also because are you doing just-in-time printing, like you're able to get the exact number you need before you even go to print?
2: Um, We have done that in the past. Now, you know, now that we're a couple of issues in, it's the, you know, figuring out the best place, like that sweet spot for usually, you know, if you're printing like a thousand, there's a a cost break. If you're printing Mm -hmm. 5000, there's another break. And then it goes up from there. So Figuring out how you know that that's something that all companies of all sizes struggle with is like how many do we get, how many can we sell, you know, kind of figuring out what margin you want to retain versus are we trying to sit on inventory? Can we move this inventory? So those are always considerations, and you kind of just have to play it by ear. Like we have a print-on-demand printer where we can like get stuff done quickly, and then we have a printer that we've made a relationship with who's. Amazing in Canada, who just really, really values the relationship and also the quality of the print. Mm. Um, so we've that is a more recent uh, relationship that we are very, very excited to have because it just you know takes out the guesswork. Which when you're switching printers every couple of months, that causes delays and you of know course, it causes, yeah you know you get proofs and they're they're wet <laughs> or you, we've gotten orders <laughs> of hundreds of magazines that we're like, they're coming this week. And then we get them and they're trash. Mm. And we have to tell customers, oh, they're not coming this week. I'm so sorry. Please don't hate, you know, those things are really, really hard. (laughs) So, you know, those are just parts of kind of having that direct to consumer business and part of iron you know, you got to iron those kinks out along the way. Mm
3: -hmm. So how do you approach marketing, given that you're not getting that passive marketing of having foot traffic going by your issue on the newsstands each and every day.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of it is now putting more energy into, now that we're growing our team, getting more of those placements too, because that is, to your point, it is important. But we've been very fortunate to get a lot of earned media, a lot of press, a lot of people asking about the magazine and, you know, speaking engagements and and just kind of creating awareness in that way and just creating moments. Like for example, we went to Summit 21 last Was it last weekend? The weekend before, I guess it's all a blur. (laughs) In Atlanta, which is part of Blavity and Twenty One Ninety, Morgan Devon, who founded that, is on our next on the cover of our next issue, the Money and Power issue, which we're very excited about. So we went down. I spoke on a panel down there, and we also did this photo installation, which was inspired partially, of course, by the Money and Power upcoming issue, but. By a very famous Huey P. Newton photo, Black Panther photo of him sitting in this wicker chair with like a spear and a gun. And so we kind of recreated that. We used a flag. Um, but, you know, for example, doing things like that where everyone came and it felt like we wanted it to feel like you're coming and kind of just sitting in on a crown photo shoot versus like, here's a table and we're selling you products and we're making you take a photo and sharing it on social media. You know, we, we wanted people to feel like a part of the crown community, the crown family. And so it was like, there was a line down the the hallway or down the little expo way of people waiting to take these photos. And then that night we, we went back and edited our team, added the crown logo to the top. So it was really cool to see them kind of going up the next day on social media and the conversations and people are like, oh my gosh, are you on the cover of Crown? Are you on the, you know? And like, friends, <laughs> you know, people are like, no, it was, a, it was an installation and a thing. I love know. that.
3: That's so smart. So, so smart. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I couldn't have necessarily imagined it would go exactly that way, but it was really <laughs> cool that people were so excited about it and yeah. it created some buzz leading up to the release of the next cover. And so we always are trying to come up with ways like that where we can utilize kind of where we already are, the conversations that we're already a part of, and create a moment that really speaks to people and that they can take with them. And like, even seeing people, a bunch, at least five to 10 people were like, I'm framing this and I'm putting it in my house. So <laughs> like, that is like, I couldn't, couldn't have imagined that. But I think in the way that crown the magazine itself is that thing that sits on your coffee table and you share it with your family when they come over and it sparks dialogue. Now I think it's really cool that an extension of that is you have this really cool photo in your house that means something to you and harkens back to this day of like all of these black women power in this room and in Atlanta, this moment that you, you'll remember forever, you know? And, you know, of course there's paid marketing. So Facebook and AdWords and all that stuff is definitely like those kind of more, I guess if there are traditional digital marketing (laughs) tools, those would be the more traditional digital marketing tools. So yeah, we, we kind of have a mix uh, and some guerrilla marketing in there, you know, got to make it, make it work.
3: (laughs) Speaking of gorilla, you know, you mentioned the fact that you're bootstrapping a couple of times. Now, is your long-term plan to eventually raise, whether that's, you know, VC or angel, like what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always
2: easier. (laughs) I mean, well, I won't even say easier. It's not necessarily easier because raising money comes with other things, but it it is always easier to do things with more money. So like, you know, it just greases the wheels, so to speak. So it's definitely something that is a conversation. We're definitely open to it. It just has to be the right, the right relationship and the right terms, of course. And so we're definitely open to it. I'll say okay. that. Okay. <laughs> there are conversations right. behind the scenes. And yeah, we I think Crown is an amazing project that we're we feel very blessed to work on, but we're also like serial entrepreneurs. So I'm sure there will be more from
3: Of course, you know, many of us can relate to that. The second part of the money piece is really you guys, as you mentioned, serial entrepreneurs, I know you're each working on other things. So what is the revenue stream for this? And is this something that pays your bills or is it still something that is very much in a growth stage?
2: Yeah, still growth stage. In terms of our revenue streams, the main, the honestly, when, when things have gotten tough in the past, the main thing that we come back to is our customer, you know, like a lot of times, and particularly when you have, I think if you work in like on digital platforms and stuff, it's always like, okay, we need traffic so that we can get brands, sponsorships or brand advertising, um, which is definitely important, but that means nothing. And that will fall by the wayside if you don't take care of your customer first. So a lot of it is, because we do have a $25 magazine that we sell to customers, making sure that we're always taking care of our girl, making sure that that is quality, you know, because that is hard, again, bootstrapped, because you have to kind of balance this, okay, we, it needs to be quality and quality takes time, but we have customers and they want <laughs> their magazine, you know, yesterday. So that is always a balance, but pouring energy into our customers is always fruitful. And whether that's just like working on the product itself, or figuring out ways to, you know, um, from a business side, like what are different ways we can market on social, via email, on you know, Facebook, etc., to to glean more, to turn more of our co- our audience into customers, um, and then yes, the brand the brand partnerships. So that's a big piece because those are tend to be you know larger amounts. So whether those are brand ads or advertorial in the magazine. um, We're now building out our experiential offering. We've brought in a wonderful team that is, you know, spearheading a lot of the things, like the thing we just did in Summit 21, um, and then also more proprietary events, building out a lot more of that. We've done more talks and mixer kind of events, um, which people typically, like we'll use that as, a way like for entry, you buy a magazine, or if you've already bought a magazine, you come for free. So that's a, another way that we kind of drive those sales um, through through frequent talks and mixers. But yeah, the revenue streams, there's a lot. <laughs> like yeah, we, sure. there's, there's a lot that, again, like we, we mapped out so many on day one, and then it becomes a matter of just checking each of those things off over time. So, but really they break down to print, digital and experiential. And then there's a bunch of like things underneath each each of those houses.
3: Yes. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the price point too, because it's so interesting. You have a very specific audience that is willing and, and understands the value of paying $25 when they're used to, you know, whatever price point they see on the newsstand. Right. So when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about growing readership, you really are laser focused on your person, your girl, like you said.
2: Right, right, right. Definitely. Um, always thinking about like, what does she need? What is going to make, you know, like even we've turned down brand partnerships and opportunities and revenue, you know, opportunities, because like at the end of the day, is that going to drive the brand forward? Everything honestly is, is run by our brand pillars, by sisterhood, knowledge of self, authenticity, self-love and ownership and so we we're like if we ever feel that we have to compromise any of those things in order to make a deal go through it's it's not the right deal for us and you know that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you have to be very revenue focused as a bootstrap business like everything has to generate revenue but you know you have to weigh again that long term versus that short term like mm-hmm. if we want to be here for decades to come will this sacrifice our integrity and if so then you know, you know, you gotta get it done another way.
1: <laughs> cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United
3: Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
3: Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. So what's next for Crown?
2: Um, What's next for Crown? Oh, my gosh, so much. More events. Definitely our focus has always been making the best, most beautiful print product possible. And, you know, now we're able to start staffing against that. And so we're now building out the digital platform, which again, has always been, it's like one of those things we always say, like as entrepreneurs, you kind of have to live in the future. (laughs) Cause it's like, people are like, well, what about this? And what about that? And you're like, I know, I know, like, we'll get there, but you kind of have to stay true to those. You know, if you, if we had started, A huge digital platform and a bunch of events and a print magazine on day one we would have failed (laughs) for sure (laughs) because we just you know limited resources time energy etc um but we are now kind of circling back and building out that digital platform doing more original content doing more again events are a huge focus of ours so yeah, we'll, we'll you'll see us out this summer. Hopefully, we'll be <laughs> we'll back in to DC too. Okay, um, because we missed you last time. But, yes. um, yeah, we'll be we'll be doing a lot more
3: out out we call it. I'm excited <laughs> for it. So now we're going to transition into a quick lightning round where I ask five questions, and you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready?
0: <laughs> oh
3: gosh, this is scary. All right, I think I'm ready. All right, number one. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the side hustle pro audience?
2: Um, man, I would say a huge one was, um, business model generation. It's a book that, you know, it talks about all about like the business model canvas and empathy mapping and is a really, really great tool for just understanding and visualizing your business and your audience in a, in like a snapshot form for the people who are not like, you know, building out a 20 page business plan or whatever, because, <laughs> you know, things happen so fast and you have to iterate so fast. And, you know, keeping some huge document up to date in real time is kind of impossible. Yes. Um, so having these snapshots that you can iterate on and act on in real time, that has proven invaluable for us.
3: Number two, what is one thing that you do every day that sets your day on the right tone? I wish I could, like, give an honest answer to this. <laughs> yes, uh,
2: you have to. You I'm, can. Like, <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing I really probably do every day is, like, drink coffee. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish I could be like, I wake up and I meditate. And, well, like, that's I real. That is, yeah. But I don't. So coffee. Coffee. We'll take <laughs> we'll it. Hopefully next time we check in, it'll be different. Okay.
3: <laughs> Number three who is a black woman entrepreneur who you would want to trade places with for a day? And why besides
2: Oprah? (laughs) I know. Right. Everybody wants Oprah. Ooh. I just feel like Bozema St. John is just so dope. And I mean, she's entrepreneurial, even though she works for other businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. She's just so full of energy and life. And every time I've seen her, I haven't seen her speak in person, but I've watched her speak um, online. She's just, So, so, so powerful, so much strength, so much vision. And she's in these very white spaces. Just, I (laughs) want to cuss. And I'm like, it just makes me so happy. Like, I just like, your day like going these places, like super tall, black woman, just like telling people about themselves. I'm sure it's not as glamorous as we probably think, but like, I just, she's so necessary. And I just think it would be really cool to live a day in her shoes.
3: All right. Um, number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
2: Oh, a personal habit. Um, I think just like
3: stepping away when necessary.
2: <laughs> like, like you don't have to answer that text in real time or that email in real time. Like having times that I respond to certain things, not starting the day with like, Just diving into responding to the first thing I see Mm -hmm. because that the the tone will be different. (laughs) (laughs) So realizing, I think coming from especially like the corporate space, you're you're on someone else's time and you have a boss, and you're like, I have to do X, Y, Z to do, you know. So transitioning and now you're your boss, but there are different pressures, but you have to structure things in a way that is are sustainable for you and your business. And nobody's going to sit there and tell you how to do it. So, um, you know, figuring out those things has been, has been really valuable. I think above all your, you have to maintain like your emotional stability. <laughs> like that's something that I don't think is talked about that much for entrepreneurs, but like the emotional up and down of like pitching yourself, getting rejected, thinking it's going through, thinking you're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars and <laughs> it doesn't happen. You yeah. know, like those things really suck. Um, so I think, you know, the intern can wait, certain people can wait, like, you know what I'm saying? Like like carving out those things where it's like, don't let yourself get off on a tangent because you need all of the energy on, on the things that really matter. Like don't yeah. go off on a tangent with the intern. Okay. It ain't worth it. <laughs> <not> worth
3: it. <laughs> and finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing a study paycheck? Um got to
2: get over it if you want to do it. <laughs> but I I would just say stack all of the coins possible before you leave, like all of the coins. Like I say for nine months, I lived with somebody like with family, like save your money because it goes so like it just goes so much faster than you'll ever imagine when it when you don't have that steady check. And you know, if you need two or three months to get that first client, ideally you'll have that person before or that client before you, you leave. So I would just say the money thing cannot be overstated, have a war chest because you'll be able to then operate from a place of stability and confidence versus like, Oh my gosh, I need a check, (laughs) you know, like then you'll, you'll be more likely to compromise yourself. Um, but really don't do it for the glamor. I would say above it all, I have a lot of, Things on this topic. <laughs> I'm so sorry, if this is not lightning round. But don't do it for the glamour. Don't do it to be the CEO or to be flossing on Instagram or whatever, because that will dry up really fast. You have to do it for the. It's more than just the passion. It's like, what are what is your purpose here? Like, is this in line with your purpose? It can't be. I'm mad at my boss. I want to work for somebody because you'll be mad at yourself
3: soon enough. <laughs> you'll be like, you know what? That boss was not that bad. My boss was actually
2: kind of cool. <laughs> and, you know, like we're in this culture where everybody, not everybody, but a lot of us are projecting for a variety of reasons, maybe business reasons, maybe personal reason. We are projecting a certain level of whatever we're trying to attract back into our lives. So right. if I'm trying to get advertisers. I'll probably post something that an advertiser, if they see it, they would want out. You know what I mean? So it's like, while things look really cool, they aren't always cool. And so it's a like, th- there's so much maturity and self-knowledge that has to come into play before you commit to this because it is very emotional. It's challenging in ways that cannot even be verbalized. But when you are locked into that mission and that whole thing of like the universe starts to conspire (laughs) with you, that is real and there is nothing that can replace it. So it's like, if you're going to do it, do it. If not, then get your check and don't just get your check, like do your work with integrity and build something of value wherever you are.
3: Amen. That was, I think, just what we needed to wrap this episode. So no worries at all about not being lightning. Um, So Lindsay, where (laughs) where can people connect with you after this episode?
2: Um, They can connect with us on Instagram at Crown Mag or myself. I'm Lindsay Day, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-D-A-Y-Y. Crown is, by the way, C-R-W-N-M-A-G, Crown Mag. Also our website, crownmag.com. And I would say if you are interested in contributing, go to crownmag.com slash contribute. You know, crownmag.com slash shop is where our magazines are available for sale. And if there are any pitches specific pitches for the upcoming issues, PR at crownmag.com.
3: Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being in the guest chair. Much love and respect and good luck to you and the Crown Mag team as you continue to grow.
2: Thank you so much. So happy to be here
3: and yeah, talk to you soon. All right, guys, there you have it. Hey, guys.